Lord, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word that just gives us an even keel in the terrible things that are happening that we that we read about that if we didn't have the Bible as our guide, what on earth would we think? What on earth would we do? And so, Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful book that you've given us. May we read it every day. May we lay it up in our hearts so that we don't sin against you and that we will know your plans and we'll know exactly what you love. And he said, I love those that love me. And so, God, we want you to love us. And so just bless us today as we lovingly search your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 7, we're in the Exodus, and uh, we talked about the hardened heart, and that answers the question for the ninth chapter of Romans. See, the Old Testament is our example book, and so when we come to the New Testament for difficult passages, the story about it is usually back in the Old Testament. It's like on whether we have free choice or not, and I think of Moses saying after he gave the commandments to the children of Israel. He said, see, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. Well, if you don't have a chooser, if you don't have free will, you can't choose life. So there are examples all the way through the Bible of doctrinal truths. And that's what I like about Andy and Charlie Clough. They utilize these things as they're teaching the truths from the Old Testament to teach New Testament doctrine. So the Lord had said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall speak to Pharaoh, that he must send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs. Now into this write First Samuel 6, 6, which shows it. That's the cross-reference that, first of all, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And out of the hardened hearts, God uses people to perform what he wants them to do. Out of the hardened hearts, he used Pharaoh to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, remember Dr. McGee saying in chapter 9, out of the hardened hearts that have hardened their own heart already. We can see that Pharaoh does this. He said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And these signs and wonders, I'm telling you, are all through the Old Testament and even the New Testament. It just talks about the marvels that God did in Egypt to get his children out of there after being there for 430 years. That's longer than America's been in existence. But that's how long they were in Egypt, and they were infected with many things from Egypt in all that time. So you can understand why they would want to make a golden calf, which is what the Egyptians worshipped, and that they were prone to idolatry. The Egyptians had an idol for almost every creature that God made. That was an idol, like a frog was an idol, and a beetle was an idol. And we're going to see God hits all their idols in these plagues. So he said... Aaron, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh, then he must send the children of Israel out of his land, but I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. It's his armies. 
And it's interesting when they go out, they're going out in ranks. I mean, not just haphazard of a mob leaving. No, they went out very orderly in ranks. My armies, my people, the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them. So they did. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Pharaoh, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went in to Pharaoh, and they did so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. We don't know their names from here, but Paul tells us their names in Timothy. Their names are Janus and Jambres. And that's back here in 2 Timothy 3, where Paul is talking about, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. And I've written in my Bible, Satan has great power. He does. They could do some of these miracles, but he couldn't reverse like from the river. They could turn water into blood, not the River Nile, but they couldn't turn it back. But he has great power. But now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as Janus and Jambres also was. So that was their name. Back to verse 11 of chapter 7. Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. These are soothsayers. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Imagine having just a shepherd's staff, throw it on the ground and become a big cobra, or one of these terrible asps. I remember one of the missionaries that went to Africa told about when he got over there, then in the place where they were, up in the ceiling coiled was one of these great huge snakes. Well. It would scare you to death. So they did the same thing, but Aaron's rod swallowed up the other rod. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he didn't heed them, as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, and when he goes out to the water, you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod, which was turned to a serpent, you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews. Now, that isn't his name 
his name for the children of Israel was I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said. But I am the light. I'm everything. I'm peace. I'm joy. I'm everything you need. I'm a blank check. But for the unbeliever, it's the Lord God of the Hebrews. It's not I am. He wasn't a personal God to them. And you shall say, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, verse 16, saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. But thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that's in my hand. They shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all the pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died. The river stank and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments and Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they couldn't drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Oh, see, from the second plague are frogs. It was a god of fertility, the frog was. Go to Pharaoh, say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedchamber, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. They're going to make bread, so there's a frog in there. I mean, every place they look. And the frog shall come up on you, on your people, and on all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Chapter 8, verse 9. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants and your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow, and he said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, your servants, from your people. They shall remain in the river only.
Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses and out of the courtyards and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and didn't heed them, as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod, strike the dust of the land, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they couldn't. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he didn't heed them, just as the Lord had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. It could be many insects. In that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. You better underline, I'll make a difference between the saved and the lost, you might just say. God knows the difference. He knows who's saved and who's lost. There's a big difference. One group are going to heaven, the other are going to hell in judgment. Tomorrow this sign shall be, and the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God in the land. In the land, see. And Moses said, It's not right to do so. See, Pharaoh's trying to get him to compromise. Just go, but go just in the land. Don't go very far. And Moses said, It's not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. They worship cattle. And if we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then won't they stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and, and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Now then the fifth one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. 
For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. There will be a very severe pestilence, maybe anthrax or something very severe. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. The sixth plague. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourself handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them toward heaven. And they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So the seventh plague. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed for this purpose I have raised you up. See, Paul quotes this in chapter 9 of Romans. For this purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet you exalt yourself against my people, in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and beast which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and livestock flee to the houses. But he who didn't regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast, on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire down into the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck through all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. 
Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it's enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. And Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck. For the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and spelt were not struck for their late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured out on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken by Moses on the eighth plague. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt, my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Now all of this is repeated in the Psalms. For example, like turn back to Psalm 105, because all through the Bible, but this is just a good example. Verse 16. Oh, verse 23, we'll go skip down. It's all very good. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. Egypt is also called Ham, because Ham, one of the sons of Noah, the Egyptians, Mizraim, came from him. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they didn't rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation of their land, devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought the children of Israel out with silver and gold. There was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. And God spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock. There's a picture of the rock in one of these photos that I gave out today. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations that they might observe God's statutes, his moral law, and keep his laws, his civil and ceremonial laws. Well, we know the story. They didn't do it. And the next psalm talks about how they sinned and didn't keep what, what he... We'll go into that again. But I, now I want you to go to Revelation chapter 8. Because a lot of liberals say, 
that all of the things that are going to happen in the tribulation period are not literal. They're just synonyms of things. But weren't these things literal? Back in Egypt, it was literal turning of the river to blood, literally. So if it's literal there, it's going to be very literal in this time that's yet coming that the Apostle John writes about. Because all through these terrible things that happen, we could just look, just, we won't take them all, but just see. This is chapter 8, verse 7. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. Doesn't that sound like Egypt? So this is going to happen again over the whole earth. That just happened in the land of Egypt. Now, if the Lord comes in our lifetime and takes us away, these things will happen, literally. The first angel sounded, hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water, and the name of the star is Wormwood and the third of the waters became wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them was darkened. We're going to see that Egypt's dark too. And a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. These people that are left are like Pharaoh. They've hardened their hearts against the preaching of the gospel, the giving of the word of God. So the ninth chapter says, The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth and to him. So this star is not just an inanimate glob out there. This is a fallen angel. And to this star, to him, was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. Smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth had power. See, this is much worse than what happened in Egypt. If you could imagine how terrible it was for the Egyptians, they were ruined as a people. And the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm any grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but they harm only those men who do not have the seal of God. In chapter 7, God seals a certain 12,000 from each tribe. The seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. And the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, lion-like horses. And on their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. 
and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in the Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past, behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Then the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar in heaven, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Imagine that. So these angels have been bound there for these thousands of years at the river Euphrates. Release these angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red and hyacinth blue and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. See, this is unlike anything else God has ever created. It sounds like dinosaurs that had smoke coming out of their mouth. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, the smoke, the brimstone which came out of their mouths, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. So imagine these things, the, the tails have heads, and the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, in other words, they hardened their hearts, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So these are just some of the things that are coming on the earth, but they're worse than what happened to Egypt, aren't they? But so back to our passage here. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I've done in Egypt and my signs which I've done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me, or else... If you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. They shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail, and they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill all your houses, the houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? They had the nerve to tell this to Pharaoh. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God, but who are the ones that are going? 
And Moses said, we will go with our young, our old, our sons and daughters, our flocks, our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that's what you desired. And they are driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt to eat every herb of the land and all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought in locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened. And they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now before we go into the 17th verse, let's turn in the minor prophets. Amos, the fig tender, sycamore trees were fig trees. Did you know that? Chapter 7. In the Septuagint, I love to compare the Septuagint with the King James. And it just takes a little time, but you can look and have both of them on the screen of your computer. This is the impending judgment in Amos's day of the Babylonians coming to take them captive, like Daniel. Take Daniel and all the people captive. And so he said, thus the Lord showed me. He formed locust swarms at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was a late crop after the king's mowings. And so it was when they had finished eating the grass of the land that I said, O oh Lord God, forgive, I pray, oh, that Jacob may stand, for he's small. But here's what the Septuagint says. Thus has the Lord God showed me, and behold, a swarm of locusts coming from the east. See, that would be Nebuchadnezzar coming from Babylon. And behold, one caterpillar, King Gog. Now, isn't that something to have that King Gog? Because Gog and Magog, that's where the Antichrist, so that it's kind of a picture back here of the Antichrist ruling the whole world. One caterpillar, King God, came to pass when he had finished devouring the grass of the land. Then I said, Lord God, be merciful. Who shall raise up Jacob? He's small in number. Repent, O Lord, for this. So this is just another place where one passage will shed a little light on another. And so back here to our passage. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin. That's what Pharaoh said. Now we've sinned against your God and you. Entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He didn't let the children of Israel go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. 
They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even so, we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed to yourself, and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, You have spoken well. I will never see your face again. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring yet one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, the ten plagues, afterward he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people. Let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of gold and silver. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord God, About midnight I will go out into the middle of Egypt. All the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against man or beast that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel, like between Jacob and Laban. God makes a difference. And all these, your servants, shall come down to me, bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, or made stiff, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning. It happens to be March, April. This month shall be your beginning of months. I'm changing the calendar. The beginning of the months used to be September, October. That was the beginning. But now he's changing the month. This, for it's going to be redemption. It's, it's a picture of salvation. It's a new beginning. This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you, not September, October. And this is all very, very interesting when we saw the days of the flood, that the, the ark rested in the day that Jesus rose from the dead, this month. This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, 
a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it from the tenth day until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then to make sure it's perfect during that time. And during that time it could become a little pet in the family. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. See, there were thousands of lambs killed that night, but in God's mind it's killed one lamb, and that's Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So the fourteenth day Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. They shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning? You shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and it will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses, for whoever eats leavened bread on the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, on the seventh day a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, only that may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, twilight, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month, at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off, and some say, killed from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. Leaven is a type of sin. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood that's in the basin, and strike the lintel and two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. 
and you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come into the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it's the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did, and it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there wasn't one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise and go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go. Serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. <laughs> I love a little bit of humor. <laughs> and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We'll all be dead. Though the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. They had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children, and a mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared for provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years, and it came to pass at the end of 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It's a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout all their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No outsider shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you've circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. Not one of his bones shall be broken. See, he's the Passover lamb. Paul tells us Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger sojourns with you and wants to keep the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. And one law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. So it came to pass on the very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. Now then, we'll stop here, and next week we'll start with the 13th chapter 
uh, with some other dedication of the firstborn and about how he's going to lead them and drying up of the Red Sea. So now we're coming to that part where all these pictures are about where did they cross? How did they get out? I'd like you to take your picture of the how did they go because they, they left Goshen that night and they went down this way and across here and over down into Midian. They're not here. God led them to Nueva Crossing, which is right here, across the Sinai. Remember that the Egyptians had outposts all along this eastern side of the Red Sea, right up to the Gulf of Aqaba. So they couldn't have stayed there, and it couldn't have been Mount Sinai there, because the, the Egyptians would have come after them. But over here in Midian, where Moses spent 40 years, he knew exactly how to get there, He'd lived there for 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd, and that's where the Lord took them. Lord, we thank you for this time together in your word. Bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.